Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Luke put the ball in his hands and let him make plays, and all night he made plays. He finished over top. He made the J. You know, he made good decisions. So, um, as a player playing against him, I hate to see it, but if I was watching on TV, I'd be really excited for him because you can see that he's learning and getting better. And um, he's, you know, growing as a player, man, and his teammates uh, believe in him and his coaches believe in him. That's all you really want as a player. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I just, well, I just want Luke Walton to get his rotations figured out so he doesn't end up killing a game in the clutch because of them. What about you, Tommy? I'm sure you have a Lakers Christmas wish list you want gifted to you before the end of this year. But right now, what's at the top of your list? At the top of my list is uh, Lonzo Ball getting a jump shot. <laughs> that, that's, that's all I want for Christmas this year. That's a good one. So, yeah, I mean, believe it or not, it's December. The countdown to Christmas is here. And just like I started this episode off with that famous Mariah Carey song, uh, Tommy, do you have a favorite Christmas song that helps usher in the season for you? That when you hear, you instantly feel that holiday winter vibe. Or is it the Mariah Carey song? I don't know. It might be. Right off the red nosed reindeer. <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> does that does that actually play on the radio? I guess it does. No, I, don't, I, I don't think it does really. <laughs> I can think I, of anything else. <laughs> no, that's fair. Uh, I think for me, it would either be a tie between well, the Mariah Carey song for sure, but also besides that, this Christmas and the uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays by In Sync song. So. That song brings me back to some good times when I was in elementary school and still thinking about getting good gifts and fun toys and whatnot. But yeah, here we are, Christmas season, but unfortunately it hasn't been so merry for the Lakers thus far. They are, after tonight's loss against Houston, 8-15. and They've lost six in a row, dating back to right before Thanksgiving when they laid an egg against the Kings. And believe it or not, though, despite... The fact that we are on this six-game losing streak. I think there's some positive things to talk about. And tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about the main bright spot, and that's Big Baller Brandon. And we're going to get into that in a bit. Uh, but before we get to that, please follow us on Twitter, at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes, because the more you rate and review us, that's how many more Western Conference Rookie of the Month awards we will continue to get from now till the end of the season. So hopefully we'll get Lonzo Ball in the mix there, and then hopefully Kuzma gets a couple of repeat performances as well. Speaking of which, congrats to Kyle Kuzma for being awarded the Western Conference Rookie of the Month for October and November, averaging 16.7 points, 6.1 rebounds, 1.6 assists on 50.4% shooting, and 37.9% from three. Tonight, he recorded his second straight double-double off the bench. He has seven double-doubles as a rookie, which is incredible. 
And per Lakers PR before tonight's game, Kyle Kuzma is the first rookie in NBA history to record at least 330 points, 120 rebounds, and 30 made three-pointers in the first 20 games of his career. So, Tommy, what do you think about all that? I think Kyle Kuzma is a fantastic player, and I wish the other players on our team would learn something from him about how to be a good NBA player. Exactly. So if you want more of those Western Conference Rookie of the Month awards to go to a Laker, namely Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball, please rate interview us on iTunes. Also, rate interview us on iTunes because we cannot let Jay Moore and his America's Lakers podcast get a leg up on us. Have you heard about that, Tommy? That comedian and entertainer Jay, Jay Moore has a has a podcast entitled America's Lakers Podcast. Um, I have heard of it. Jay Moore is like dating Jeannie Buss, right? He he is. That's the yeah, other so, fact that I wanted to throw out there. Yeah, so he's got like he has kind of an unfair advantage, but uh yeah. I I can't see I don't know how Jay Moore got involved in the Lakers podcast <laughs> business. But you know what? Like I told Alan before, he has the claim to America, but we as the Lakers legacy, have the claim to Northeast Mongolia. So we are Northeast Mongolia's Lakers podcast. If anybody is actually listening to our podcast in Northeast Mongolia, please tweet me because that'd be pretty amazing. But yes, rate interview us on iTunes to continue to give us a leg up on Jay Moore and his America's Lakers podcast. Also, because it's Christmas time and you're in the giving spirit, please consider donating to our Patreon page patreon.com slash the lakers legacy podcast a dollar two dollars three dollars one time donation or a monthly sponsorship anything helps at this time of the year and yeah um with that said and all that house cleaning out of the way tommy before we get into the brandon ingram stuff the luke rotation stuff how the team has fared in this last stretch i guess we could talk about the houston game um i mentioned it on twitter Kind of feel like this was a scheduled loss, especially after the Lakers had a tough night the night before in Denver, the Mile High City. And it was tough for a variety of reasons, not not the least of which that it is in higher altitude, but also because the Lakers should have won that game and they kind of fizzled out at the end there in disappointing fashion. And then tonight they were going up against the most lethal offensive team in the league against James Harden, the leading scorer in the league. And even though they started off the game actually pretty decently and were actually playing pretty good defense, you'd figure that that would wear off eventually and the Rockets would kind of put pedal to the metal and, and really, you know, throttle up their offense. And that's exactly what happened. And the Lakers couldn't keep pace and eventually lost. So I'm not really surprised by the outcome. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think I I pretty much agree with everything you said. Not surprised by the outcome. And uh, we're just not good. You know what I mean? So it's <laughs> like when you're not good, you're you're going to you're going to lose a lot of games like like we did um, the past couple. So. Yeah, they they did have some nice highlights. Obviously, Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma uh, were the only reasons that I was continuing to watch the fourth quarter there, especially with Kyle Kuzma going on a a little bit of an exhibition on his own. Kyle Kuzma had 22 points, 12 rebounds, a really, really nice tomahawk, lanky extension dunk on Clint Capella. He finally made one. I know, exactly. Um, Brandon Ingram continues his very consistent streak here of looking like a go-to player for the Lakers. He had 18 points, nine rebounds, five assists, only one turnover on seven for 16 shooting. We'll get into him in entirety and totality in a little bit. And he also had a really nice reverse dunk at the beginning of the game. Outside of that, and then the Nance alley-oop dunk out of a timeout from Ingram, and then a Julius Randle sick, aggressive lefty dunk on Clint Capella as well. There wasn't that much to talk about from this game because (laughs) the Lakers... I mean, they they look tired at times, yeah. and they just didn't have their offense going. And Lonzo Ball was a complete non-factor, unfortunately, outside of a couple of nice blocks that he had. But, but yeah, the bench tonight, I think, was the story because our bench had had been saving us the last few games of in terms of giving us that extra boost when the starters were starting off games slowly or were flat. But tonight, the bench was absolutely they were invisible tonight, and Julius Randle was in foul trouble. Jordan Clarkson was one for nine. Um, Josh Hart, who had a really good game against um, the Nuggets, didn't show up as well. So I think that was the story of the night. But most of all, like you said, 
were a bad young team and on the second night of a back-to-back against the league's top offensive team, this is usually what's going to happen. And I don't think any of us were expecting a repeat gung-ho performance like the Lakers had against Golden State tonight. So with that said, we are going to mainly talk about Brandon Ingram after the turn here, talk about his progressive strides up until this point to become somehow a consistent go-to scorer for the Lakers and really living up to that mantle that Magic Johnson put in front of him before the season started in terms of, I want Brandon Ingram to be a 20-point scorer. So we're going to talk about him after the turn, but before we get to that, I'm going to turn it over to our sponsors in just a second. So we will catch you guys after the turn. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. All right, so we're back. And like I said, like this episode is entitled Big Baller Brandon, to me... It feels like the light switch has flipped for this guy, obviously, against the Golden State Warriors. Even though he had been consistent up until that point, that was kind of his coming out party, especially against Kevin Durant. He had a career-high 32 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks. He had 57% from the field, 12 field goals. He was slashing. He was doing hezzy moves. He was going left like multiple times against... Of multiple defenders. I mean, it was a complete onslaught from Brandon Ingram to the point where Kevin Durant post game was speaking such glowing words about this guy that you almost thought that they were teammates. So, Tommy, let's just start with the Golden State game because I think it's almost like a watershed, watermark moment for Brandon Ingram in his career. Um, what did you think about his coming out party against KD? I thought he he really showed who like. He, he showed that he has the serious potential to be the guy that we all thought he was going to be when we, when we drafted him and when we got super excited about him when he was a freshman at Duke. Um, you know, I think like because of all the, because of all the Ben Simmons hype and how strong Ben Simmons has come on as a rookie, it's kind of like overshadowed how good Brandon Ingram has been as a second year player coming from that same draft. Um, he just scores in a variety of ways. And it's like, he has said multiple times, Kevin Durant is his favorite player. And like, he's the guy who he models his game after the most. And to come, he came into the game and he just looked like he was ready to go up against Durant. And every, everyone that every, you know, the golden state warriors have the best wing defenders in the NBA. And they were rotating. Like Iguodala would take a turn. Like Draymond would be on him. Durant would be on him. Clay Thompson would be on him, like Livingston. Like they were showing a variety of looks um, against Ingram, and he was just adapting. Um, he looked confident stepping into his mid range jumpers and hitting those. Uh, and if he can start to hit mid range jumpers on top of how efficient he's been slashing and getting to the rim, he's going to be an impossible player to guard in just like in like a year. Yeah, I thought the Golden State game was a picture-perfect snapshot of what you want Brandon Ingram to eventually be on a very consistent level because he not only was doing his slashing, which he's been doing in the entire season pretty much, and being relentless, taking into the lane, cuffing the ball, finding the seams, and then flipping it up against defenders and flipping it up softly to the glass and um, extending and all that stuff, but he hit two threes, and like you said, he finally implemented that mid-range game and... I feel like he's been doing that more and more since that Golden State game. We saw it last night against Denver as well. The ability to really pull up off his little hezzy crossover moves and just drain that jump shot um, has been a very, very nice development in his game. And I feel like against Golden State, you not only saw all the offensive potential come together and coalesce, but also defensively, right? I mean, he had three steals, two blocks. He had some crucial plays defensively in the clutch, including that that strip on Kevin Durant where he went to the line and, you know, almost tied the game up. And so, yep. I mean, the confidence that Brandon Ingram has right now is at an all-time high. And you see that The confidence this year has always been there, but with the improvements in his body and his strength, 
you could potentially see as as his body continues to fill out and his jump shot becomes more and more a part of his game and he becomes more confident there that yes 20 points is not out of the question anymore i know for which this is guy. pretty crazy and well, at the beginning say, it was like yeah go ahead i was gonna say in the beginning yeah, i think which i think what you were about to say in the beginning of the season it looked like oh my god i can't believe magic johnson said that like he put all this unfair pressure on this guy like this guy just needs to worry about scoring 12 points a game and <laughs> trying to score efficiently and like to his credit he did that right he did that for a while yeah. until he was able to gain more confidence and actually like apply the things that he worked on all summer and i'm not really sure at what point things clicked or things turned for him but it's like you look at the stats last five games three of the five games on the road like against very good teams we obviously lost all five well four of the five pretty good teams and we lost all five but not 20 points a game 52 percent shooting 33 percent from three uh big keys hit 75 percent free throws his free throws are going up despite missing two in the game tonight. Um, but yeah, he uh, it's just amazing how quickly he's progressing. And between him and Kuzma, and like honestly, I know, I'm sure we'll talk about Lonzo, but I'm least worried about him still despite the struggle. So I think we have like a really solid core to look forward to in the, in the uh, upcoming years. Yeah, it's really exciting to see this dynamic wing duo of Ingram and Kuzma. And you almost wonder, well, I guess you don't wonder, but you know, the two potential guys we'd be looking at in free agency would be Paul George and LeBron James, two wings as well. You know, you'd almost wonder how to, how would that work? But I guess you look at the Golden State Warriors and you're like, ah, it'll work. They'll figure it out. The more, you know, versatile, switchable oh, guys yeah. we have who are lanky and skilled like that, it doesn't matter. Just put them all on the court. And, you know, you mentioned the fi- last five game stretch, but in the last nine games, Brandon Ingram is pretty much averaging 19 points, five rebounds, 3.6 assists, one block, one steal on above 50% shooting. And again, mm-hmm. this is without the jump shot really being a consistent part of its game of his game. It's coming mm-hmm. along for sure in the last few games, but let me know if you think this is what's going on in his head. He's already mentioned that and this is a positive development that we didn't know about till recently that he had been talking to Kobe Bryant since last season, you know, since an Oklahoma City game last season. And so even though he didn't have a sit down dinner like Kyle Kuzma did with, with Kobe Bryant, it's comforting and encouraging to know that he has a, a line out to Kobe and that they are having consistent dialogue and it seems to be paying off, right? Um, but I almost feel like in this last stretch, or at least this season, maybe Brandon Ingram and whoever has been helping him out d- developmentally, Maybe they just boiled it down to compartmentalizing his game instead of, you know, as a young player having to focus on so many multiple things all at once. It can get overwhelming that maybe they just said, hey, Mm -hmm. Brandon, I think eventually your jump shot's just going to come. You know, your stroke is fine. In college, it was clearly there. It's not like you have a Lonzo ball jump shot. Let's not worry about Mm -hmm. that for now. Let's worry about just main, like creating a foundation of you being able to drive. And obviously, maybe they boiled it down to let's work on your body and strength conditioning. And then this season, let's see if you can take it into the lane. Because we have no doubt that your jump shot's going to eventually come along. And I don't know. It, it kind of feels like he, he made a concerted effort to compartmentalize his game. And from his talks with Kobe Bryant, really focus in on... First, just being a relentless driver and seeing whether he can knife into the lane and do that Giannis thing. And then also focus on the little intangible defensive things, right? And I know at the start with the Magic Johnson stuff, it didn't seem like he was doing that because it it seemed like he was focused on being like Kobe Bryant Mamba Mamba mode and just taking on that scorer's mentality. But I think as the season settled in, he just got back to you know what, I'm just going to keep driving it. I'm just going to keep throwing my body in there because I know I can take the beating. And now you see him being able to actually skillfully finish shots. And he just knows how to cuff the ball in all the right places, how to pick up his dribble, how to Euro step his way amongst the trees and flip up shots that guys cannot get to because he's so long. And I feel like this is the blueprint for how Giannis eventually became such a monster, right? Um, he eventually just stopped right. shooting jump shots and was just like, yo, I'm going to keep driving it no matter what. And as my body fills out and yep. I continue to get stronger, I'm going to continue to just drive it. And with Brandon Ingram and Giannis Antetokounmpo and guys like Ben Simmons, the thing that sets them apart is they're also skilled players who can handle the ball, right? So do you think that that was part of his a- approach or attack this season at all? Yeah, I think that was absolutely what happened with Ingram. Um 
I, and I think it's, it's definitely a smart thing. It's like Luca's made, they've alluded to how they, you know, you see it at a team wide level, how they like spent so much time focusing on just like, okay, we're going to focus on just defense. Just defense is what we care about for like this huge chunk of the season. And it paid off. And, you know, we ended up going from like the 30th, like literally the worst defensive team in the entire league for like the last five years in a row to, a top 10 defensive team with like some inconsistencies with youth and with positional, you know, mismatches, but a top five, a top 10 defensive team overall. And I think you see the same thing with Ingram. It's he went from last year being horrendous, like not just at getting to the, like he, he not only had a hard time getting to the rim, he also had a hard time, uh, even harder time finishing. So yeah, not only is he getting to the rim now, because if you could say like before he was getting to the rim and oh, whatever, you know, but it's still a skill to be able to finish. And he, with the extra weight put on and with the, um, uh, you know, just probably practice absorbing contact and flipping it up and utilizing his length. I mean, he went from a completely not passable NBA player to second in the NBA and in a field goal percentage on drives behind like LeBron. Yep. You know, so I think that is definitely due to the compartmentalization. And I guess my summer, I, I guess another thing would be, I think the next step is next summer, they're going to be like, okay, great. Now you have got this driving thing down and like, yes, we'll continue to work on that on the side. But the next thing is how are we going to get you to use your length and um, to your advantage on mid range jumpers, kind of like Kevin Durant does, because mm. I feel like one thing that Brandon Ingram doesn't do as well as Durant does, which is fair. I mean, he's 20 years old, but one thing he is going to have to improve on is stopping in like semi transition or stopping just on a dime, like coming off a pick and roll and then using his length to put the ball up so high that like nobody can contest it on like a mid range jumper. That's something Durant does super well. And I feel like Ingram doesn't really do that yet. And I feel like those are going to be the next steps. And then if if he adds even just that, like forget about the three point shot. If he adds even just that to his arsenal, like by next year, he's going to be a consistent 20 plus point per game scorer already. Yeah, I agree with you in terms of the mid range jump shot right now, he can do it to an extent, but there's definitely not that ease you see with guys like Kevin Durant, even Kyle Kuzma, right? Or a guy like Rudy Gay who off the bounce, you know, that they can, crossover and just pull up off a dime and then just drain that jump shot and even if they're bothered a little I mean you've seen those moments when Brandon Ingram tries to pump fake off a mid-range jump shot and you know once he pump fakes he's not going to make that shot you know but for Kevin Durant it's such an easy shot that it doesn't matter so hopefully like you said they can really work on that all the aspects of the mid-range game and the nuances of the mid-range game to really help him become lethal in that aspect as well. Because right now, his strides are so long that he can really always take it from the three-point line and get right to the basket. Um, but I do right. think for the the longevity of his career, it would benefit him to mix it up, vary it up, so he's not always pounding his body and taking that beating in the lane, regardless of whether or not he can do it right now, which clearly he can. But I'm sure he could use a rest here and there to just be able to drain a yeah. nice mid-range jump shot in someone's face, you know? And then also, maybe this is, this is just a scheme thing, but I, I feel like we haven't seen him... Not that we want so many post-ups, but I feel like his best shot in the mid-range, even in his early career, comes with him doing a turnaround jump shot, and we haven't really seen that implemented yet, or at least him not, you know, try that out. Maybe it's just because he wants to take it to the basket, but hopefully we get to see more of that. But to your point, you mentioned it earlier, Brandon Ingram being second in the league in terms of driving. LeBron James is 62%. Point four percent. He's the only guy shooting a better clip on drives than Brandon Ingram this year, who's shooting fifty five point two percent on drives. And in terms of overall scoring points per game on drives, Brandon Ingram is tenth with seven point three points. So pretty much half of all his points is coming from driving it into the lane, which is which is pretty incredible. So yeah, this last stretch that he's had. I don't know. It feels like he's a completely different player. Not that we haven't seen these flashes here and there before, but I think we haven't seen the consistency, right? Where at this point, you can really consistently say he's a 16, 17.5 rebound, four assist guy in terms of like, that's what he gets you on a nightly basis. And it's not just one or two inflated games that are pumping up that average, you know? 
And so when you can count on a guy to give you those numbers night in, night out, I mean, it's a difference maker. And you can really can, you can really build a team around that. So I'm really encouraged by Brandon Ingram's like resurgence here um, on a consistent level. Um, so yeah, I mean, props to Brandon Ingram. Like Kevin Durant said it all, you know, Brandon, uh, actually, CJ McCollum, you saw that CJ McCollum tweet, right? Where he was just like, yo, Brandon Ingram's going to be a problem for the league. And so when, when other guys are praising this dude and can see the potential of the skill combined with the length, um, it's, it's a pretty, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it makes me excited to be a Lakers fan, regardless of whatever losing streak we're on. I mean, we were never really going to be contenders for the playoffs. I just wanted to see actual, tangible flashes that I could cling on to. And Brandon Ingram is definitely giving that to us um, this season in a, in a very short time when we were discouraged to start it, start it off with. Right. So um, I don't know if you had anything else to add on, on BI. No, I think you, I think you pretty much summed, summed everything up. Yeah. So Brandon Ingram, keep doing what you're doing. Continue to vary it up with the uh, mid range jump shooting and being able to hit a open three pointer. And then again, continue to uh, shore up that free throw percentage, which he has been doing, even though he missed two tonight. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. Um, I thought we could move on to, I guess, just an overarching look at the last few games here in this losing streak. You know, we had a couple of disappointing losses that I felt like we should have won, mainly the Clippers game. The Golden State game was a nice surprise. I felt like that was a scheduled loss and the really, the Lakers really came out and fought hard from, uh, beginning to end. And then the Denver game last night, I felt like that was a game mm-hmm. that we should have had as well. And obviously within this losing streak, the biggest change has been Larry Nance's reinsertion back into the starting lineup. And with that, you know, I have never really had a problem with Nance being in the starting lineup. My only caveat was if it becomes a problem in terms of how we start games and then how the rotation shakes out moving forward in the game in terms of Julius Randle and Kyle Kuzma's minutes being pinched and then the way that we close games, I think then it becomes problematic and I don't know if I want to stick with that. And I think we have a large enough sample size, even dating back from when Larry Nance was the starter in the first eight games, to say that, at least in my opinion, whether or not... Luke wants to keep Nance in, in, in with the starters. I don't care. I just want him to be better at in-game rotational decisions and balance out the minutes better because I think we've seen it the last few games, but most particularly in the Nuggets game and the Clippers game, the way he's divvying out I'm the sorry. minutes is is imbalanced to the point where where Julius Randle starts playing, or I don't know, he plays like these stretches of 13 minutes into the fourth where Luke Walton has to bench him because he he's played so many minutes and he's tired instead of like a normal staggered rotation. I feel like Luke Walton is so strung up on bringing his starters mm-hmm. back in, in the closing minutes that it, it has hurt us in games that we should have won. And again, it's against the Clippers game. That was a prime example when he brought Lonzo ball in, even though Jordan Clarkson was super hot. He, uh, took Julius Randle out as well, brought Brooke Lopez back in. And then last night you saw it against the Denver Nuggets where he brought Julius Randle out for like Mm. three minutes and that was pretty much the end of the game. Julius Randle was the catalyst to um, us really coming back against the Nuggets and maintaining a lead because if you remember against the Nuggets, we started off hella slow. We couldn't do anything. We couldn't score. We couldn't defend them. And it wasn't until Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson came in that the Lakers actually made it a game and actually extended the lead. And I just don't like the way he's divvying out the minutes with regards to Julius Randle and Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma is still producing because Kyle Kuzma is really good. He's only had 
20 or so minutes the last few games though tonight was uh you kind of put an asterisk on it because he just did a lot of his stuff in garbage time but outside of that the rotations don't make very much sense to me larry nance has gotten an insorbitant amount of minutes that i'm not sure he deserves (laughs) and then the leash is being yanked and pulled really easily for for julius randall and and kyle kuzma and um I don't know if I agree with it. Uh, wh- what are your thoughts on the recent rotational decisions by Luke here? Uh, Luke is definitely not without blame in what's going on. I think there were points, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like there were points earlier in the season where I tried to defend it and I thought that there was, you know, like maybe a somewhat logical explanation for what he was doing. Um, but as the season is worn on and it's like certain guys have clearly proven to be better in certain roles and he still continues to do what he's doing. It's like he has chosen his favorites. You know what I mean? Like he likes Larry Nance Jr. Because Larry Nance Jr. Kind of plays like level headed and doesn't do anything flashy, and but doesn't make any mistakes. Um, and, uh, you know, he's maybe a little bit less skilled, but you know what you're going to get. He's kind of like a more athletic Luke Walton in that way um, from when Luke Walton was on the Lakers. So he's, he's just like yep. decided this fool is like my guy. And so 30 minutes against the Clippers was completely absurd. And it's like Randall was playing really well in that game or he was playing well defensively in that game and uh, was giving some energy. And Kyle Kuzma um, only played 20 minutes in that game and scored 15 points in 20 minutes. So it's like, how are you going to give Larry Nance's in his first game back 30 points where he's not scoring anything for you? And you're letting Kyle Kuzma sit on the bench. You're letting Randall sit on the bench. And I know there's only so many minutes to go around, but I just don't see how Nance of of the three of these guys has in any way separated himself as being the one who should be getting the most, um, the most minutes consistently. Uh, and, and yeah, Kyle Kuzma's minutes yeah. over, over the course of the season are inflated, obviously, because he was playing 40 minutes a game for, you know, like 36 minutes plus a game when Larry Nance went out with the injury. So I don't know. I, I, I tend to agree with the criticisms of Luke's rotations with his, uh, with the forwards and with the big men in general, because like Brooke Lopez has not been playing that great. And there are, uh, there are like situations and games where it's like very, it should be very, very clear that like, okay, in this circumstance, maybe this is the type of game where Brooke only plays 12 minutes. I think tonight qualified is like one of those types of nights. You know what I mean? Like every time Brooke was on the floor and we were doing our, mm-hmm. you know, switch everything defense and he got matched up against like Eric Gordon or James Harden or Chris Paul, it was just like a free basket, you know? So how are you going to like preach all this stuff? Like, Oh, all this defense and all this, uh, this is what we care about. And we're trying to play the right way. And we're going to go with the mat. We're going to go with the right matchup and make the objectively right decision. But then you're going to play, uh, Brooke Lopez, 20 minutes against Houston, 24 minutes against Denver. where like, I know he played offensively well, but Denver is like their big men are their, their best big men are both injured. Um, Like, why not make them play to, like, your pace and or, like, to your style? Like, Golden State, Brooke played 17, which I guess, again, not too much, but that's another team that, like, goes small most of the game. So it's just, like, it's weird to me. And and it feels, like, kind of forced uh, when he decides to, like, go to Larry Nance and Brooke Lopez for long stretches of time, even if the uh, matchups don't necessarily call for it. Yeah, and I... I wouldn't even have that much of a problem if we didn't have a sample size to look at and say, oh, this is actually working. This thing is working, but it's clearly not. And they have enough data, I hope, you know, our analytics guys to tell them, hey, Luke, these are the lineups that are working. These are the lineups that aren't working. And pretty much every lineup that has Randall and Kuzma in it is working. And Nance is very, it's very marginal, you know, the success that a Larry Nance lineup has, you know, especially when you're starting a game off with, Lonzo Ball and Larry Nance. I feel like Lonzo Ball sometimes is the point guard version of Larry Nance. And when you have both of them out there, it's like, okay, you have these, I guess, smart guys who don't really make egregious mistakes, but they can't really do anything or impose their will offensively. And then you have this center out here who only knows how to play one way and he thinks he's a shooter, but he can't really shoot. And then KCP, even though he's had a nice stretch of 20 plus point games, he's still always a wild card and very erratic to me. So 
and you've seen the last few games, we have started out slow. And you can't mm-hmm. say that, oh, my strategy is working because I want us to start off slow. And then when Julius Randle and the bench come in, then we put it push pedal yeah, to no, the metal. It's absurd. like, no, it's kind of like having success ass backwards and saying, oh, I'm using the ass backwards strategy to get my team in this position <laughs> yeah, to seriously. have, to have a lead in the second quarter. It's like, no, let's just start the game off well. Let's have more of a balanced approach to the game. You can still get that offensive punch with Julius Randle off the bench. Like, I don't know, start Kyle Kuzma or something like, like he was doing because Kyle Kuzma as a starter was 18 was averaging 18 points a game and the offense flowed a little better and we had less starts where we were just you know stuck in the mud like we have been the the last few games especially the Denver game so I'm a little confused at why he's so adamant about sticking with this and even sticking with Mm -hmm. the minutes distribution it'd be one thing if he was sticking with the starting lineup and Larry Nance was getting a 15 to 20 minutes but Larry Nance is getting 25 to 28 at this point some some games I know the Golden State game he only had 22 minutes but I think that was just because Julius Randle was a flat-out beast right Julius Randle had 22 points was swatting shots getting steals dunking on people to the point where Luke Walton couldn't take him out (laughs) so um and at this point Mm -hmm. Julius Randle plays the best defense on this team, which when I say that, I'm still shocked and amazed, but it's true. So with that being said, why isn't this guy averaging at least 28 minutes? Like, I don't care how you manage to get him 28 minutes, but get him 28 minutes. Um, according to at Joey A. Ramirez, who works for the Lakers, Randall has held guys in isolation. Anybody who puts him in an isolation possession to 14 of 46. That is the best in That's the NBA insane. amongst players who have faced at least 30 ISO shots. And you saw it against Golden State, right? Whenever Julius Randle got switched onto Steph Curry, he did an amazing job covering that dude. Like one of the craftiest, yeah, most skilled players who can shoot it from 45 feet out. And he was able to contain Steph Curry. So what is the excuse now for not giving Julius Randle 28 to 30 minutes? Because I don't see an excuse anymore. I know he tried to defend it by saying, oh, Luke Walton's just preserving Julius Randle's energy. Dude, Julius Randle has so much energy these days. It doesn't matter how many minutes he's playing at this point, you know? Um, if he's going to yeah. make stupid mistakes, he's doing so much on both ends that you can look over those stupid mistakes that he's prone to do here and there because he's definitely not doing it as much as he used to. So with that respect, it's a little frustrating to see that. And not to say that these rotational decisions are the only reasons why the Lakers have lost these games, but they're pretty Mm -hmm. pivotal reasons why, because they usually happen at the end of games, you know? And as a result of Luke not balancing it out for the first three quarters of the games, you get these weird scenarios where against the Nuggets, he's like, oh, shoot, Julius Randle looks like he needs a breather. So I'm going to take him out for three minutes. And then when he does that, the game's over by the time he inserts Randle. Yeah. So I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I, I just hope that no, it's he gets the message. Yeah. It's frustrating. And I feel you, too, in the sense that, like, um, for example, Kyle Kuzma has shown that he can play the three. You know what I mean? Like Randall and Nance have both shown that they can play the five. Like these guys can coexist. Like where are you going to find extra minutes? Like give less minutes to Corey Brewer. You know what I mean? Corey (laughs) Brewer plays like, okay, once every five games, but overall he's trash and like, he can't score. And it's like, yeah, he brings a little defensive energy, but this is not like the Lakers of the last four years. Like we have several guys who bring defensive energy now. And, like, I don't feel any more comfortable with Corey Brewer out there than I do with, like, Josh Hart or Brandon Ingram or, like, anybody, like, you know, anybody else out there. So, like, maybe I feel better with Corey defensively than I do with JC, but that's about it, you know? So, it's it's just uh, – there, there are ways to fix this problem, and it, it doesn't feel like any steps are being taken to – to do that. And I don't know if we're going to talk about this at some point, but Brooke Lopez has to get out of here soon. Like, like we have to find somebody who can take him on. Dude, Brooke Lopez is a dumpster fire right now. I, he, I he's feel just like so bad. <laughs> he's so bad. And he still thinks he can shoot threes for some reason. And it's just not working. He's not a shooter. Like he had one shot where he was trailing in transition and he just popped a three. And I was like, dude, what? What are you doing? Yeah, like the only shots he should be taking from three-point range are like set spot-up shots in the corner when the play calls for it or like 
occasionally you can take a pick and pop shot, but like your stretch five should not be shooting 30%, you know, barely 30%. I mean, you're right. The the Lakers need to, if they can get something for him, a second round draft pick, because they're not going to retain this guy. Um, after this season, yeah. even at like four million for the qualifying, even after they renounce his rights or whatever, I don't want this guy. Yeah. Well, he's just the problem is he's such a defensive liability when he's not doing anything offensively. He's like completely worthless. Like, yeah, he blocks shots. He's blocking just as many shots this year as he's blocked his entire career, which is great. But off the like defending on the pick and roll and the way we want to play defense, he can't do it. Yep, exactly. And so. Tying it back to what we were talking about just a few minutes ago about Luke Walton and the rotations, I think we saw a glimpse of him maybe trying out something that he hopefully will do more of in the next coming games where, like you mentioned, why don't we play Kyle Kuzma more at the three, give him minutes there so it's not impinging upon the power forward minutes that should pretty much solely go to Julius Randle and Larry Nance. But we saw that lineup. I forgot whether it was at the end of the third or the beginning of the fourth with Julius Randle, Larry Nance, and Kyle Kuzma all out on the floor at the same time. So we haven't seen that lineup a lot, but I definitely saw it tonight, and I hope it's something that Luke continues to try out moving forward because, yeah, I don't. we don't need this Corey Brewer experiment thing. At the end of the day, give Kyle Kuzma his minutes. He's deserved it. If you need to do the yank thing whenever he makes a bad defensive mistake— Fine, do that. I don't care. But he should at least be getting 25 minutes. And then Julius Randle has earned the right to play 28 minutes at this point. He's good defensively. He's good offensively. The one thing that I've seen from Julius Randle that has been a big improvement outside of the obvious with regards to he's just able to... He has these nifty new flip shots that go in that didn't used to go in before. These like little floater, like half hook shots. But outside of that, I feel like... His body is so strong this year that when he goes into the lane, as opposed to his first two or three years in the league, his body was almost like jello where he'd contort it and then contract it. But this year he just makes himself bigger. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden he just dunks on people. And I'm just like, why haven't you been doing this your entire life? Because the last few years he would all of a sudden crunch his body up and then he'd just throw up a really, really awful looking shot. But these days he's just like, you know what? I'm going to have proper posture and I'm going to dunk on you. And then he just does it because he's so strong and so enforcing. So I think that's one huge improvement that I've seen from Julie. Julius Randle on the offensive end and um, obviously just cutting down the the dribbling exhibitions that he's prone to doing. But but yeah, hopefully Luke Walton works on the, the rotational decisions. I, I, I know the guys are getting frustrated and honestly, he needs to do a better job of just reading the game, which is a silly thing to say, reading the game as it happens a little better. The Clippers game, yeah. bringing in bringing in Lonzo Ball after Jordan Clarkson was the main reason why we had a nine-point lead against the Clippers. There was no reason for that. There was no reason for the Jordan Clarkson-Lonzo Ball substitution whatsoever, and yet it happened and we lost the game. So I I just hope Luke Walton cuts down on those boneheaded decisions in the middle of a game at the game's most crucial points so that people won't get on him so much and, and blame him for losing us the entire game. And I already agree. It's he's not the sole reason we're losing these games, but when he makes boneheaded decisions at such crucial points in the game, it seems that he lost us the game, you know? So to close this episode out, we're not going to drag it on any longer. I just wanted to, well, we'll always close it out by doing a Lonzo ball temperature check, but I also wanted to point out with Kyle Kuzma, you know, Kyle Kuzma has been very good and still being very efficient in limited minutes. Um, mm-hmm. There's the, the few things I want him to work on, though, is and I think you know what, what they are. It's like he gets way too many travel calls by pushing off with his two feet or shuffling yeah, them. <laughs> so he needs to work on that. And obviously he needs to work on cutting down the I think as he gets more and more com- confident as a scorer, um, he gets a little too flashy with his passes and some of his dribbling moves that he gets sloppy, right? So if he can just bring it back to the basics and um, not play within himself, because he's already such a good offensive player. And I think the way Luke is mm-hmm. handling him right now in terms of, you know, he'll call him out anytime he sees him kind of 
start to get a little too crazy and wild. And then anytime he has a defensive lapse, I think that's Luke's way of keeping him grounded, you know, where he's like, okay, I have a very Mm -hmm. hot commodity in my hands and I want to make sure he's learning the right way before he gets too much of a big head and starts, you know, I'm a scorer in this league. I'm the leading scorer on the Lakers, which he is. And just rating him in a little bit and getting him back to the fundamentals. So I just hope that continues with Kyle Kuzma. Um, and so, yeah, now I don't know if you had anything else for Kyle before we move on to Lonzo. No, I didn't have anything else. Okay, so let's move on to Lonzo Ball, who, okay, tonight, obviously, non-factor, was very invisible, didn't do horrible anything. Game. Yeah, horrible game. Um, but before tonight, he had started to kind of come into his own, even offensively. If we date it back to the Golden mm-hmm. State game, I mean, he had 15 points and a really nice... I don't know, a little four-minute stretch where he scored eight straight points. He hit two threes and then had a nice dribble drive move against Steph Curry, taking it into the lane. That was the most confident I've ever seen Lonzo Ball. So I I felt like the last few games he was starting to settle into a bit of a groove, and it was nice to see him not be so tentative, even in his three-point shooting. Whenever the defense would go under the screen, he'd he'd make them pay. You know, I'm going to shoot this, and he'd actually hit it. But... Obviously, tonight he once again disappeared into a shell. But his last three games, let's see, he's averaging 9.2 points, 7.2 rebounds, 7.4 assists, one steal, um, shooting 33% from three. So that's a huge improvement from where he was at. What have you thought about Lonzo Ball? And you said you're still really not concerned with him. Still, excuse me, still really not concerned with him. Um I was pretty much going to say the same things you said, like against Golden State, there was that stretch that you kind of felt like, oh God, this is, this hopefully could be like the turn of like, not just the game, but like of a season, you know what I mean? Like maybe he's finally like clicked, something's clicked and he, he's gotten it and he's going to start playing better now. So thought he played great in that game. Thought he actually played really good against Denver, especially in the first half, his second half shooting, I think made his stats look a little bit worse than they were like. He scored nine points, but all nine were in the first half. Um, tonight looked like complete trash. So it's it's like he's it's it's very very up and down. And last five games, he's at least shooting thirty four percent from the field, thirty two percent from three. Which yeah, those are piss poor shooting numbers, but like it's such a big improvement already from the five game stretch before that. So it's going to be up and down. It's going to continue to be up and down. He unfortunately plays like one of the hardest positions in the NBA. Um, so, you know, they have three days until they play their next game. And I, you just hope that he can continue to get into the gym and get his work in and then hopefully come out and have a big game um, next time. Because it seems like when they have a few days off, and I don't think this is like a fatigue thing really, but it seems like when they have a few days off, uh, he tends to play better because I feel like he gets time to like go into the gym and like, if you see him shoot in practice, dude, he is like raining threes. Like I've seen videos for minutes like, you know, five minutes straight of Lonzo shooting and he'll miss like twice the entire video, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think that helps him get a little bit of confidence and uh, more comfortable with his like mechanics because, you know, there, I, I, this is something I never thought I'd think, you know, before the season started, but Lonzo ball is, he's nervous. You know what I mean? Like I never thought confidence would be an issue for this guy. Like, that's the last thing I thought would be an issue for this guy. And, and confidence is a huge issue. So in, in the games he plays well offensively, it tends to be because, like, he gets a shot to go early, either a jump shot or he gets to the rim and hits, like, his floater or hits, like, a easy layup. If he can get, like, a shot early, he tends to play so much better the whole rest of the game. If he misses his first shot, usually it doesn't go so well. So... I think that's the sign of a young player and you just have to hope that like over the course of the year, he continues to get better. And we've seen how much of a jump Brandon Ingram made. It it still would not surprise me. Lonzo sitting at 32% right now. There's 60 games left in the season. It would not shock me if he ended up the ended up the season high thirties overall from the field, which seems like impossible right now. But if he ends up high thirties from the field and high, you know, twenties, low thirties from three point range, that's kind of where like where a lot of people pitted him, you know, that's where like most rookie guards end up at the end of their rookie season anyway. So there were stretches where he looked like really, really, really bad. But I think, yeah, like you said, there's been enough flashes or like enough bright spots in the last few games that I'm, I'm really not worried about him. I just hope the, 
the coaching staff makes a more concerted effort to, like you just said, get him easy shots because we've seen them. It, it's been few and far between, but we've seen them draw up some off ball plays for him, including, I mean, the most obvious one was the Willie Collie Stein alley-oop thunderous dunk that he had, you know, which they, they seem to run that play a lot, especially out of bounds plays for, I mean, I've seen Larry Nance get that mm-hmm. dunk. I've seen Brandon Ingram get that dunk, but obviously Lonzo Ball is athletic enough to complete that type of dunk right now. He hasn't put it together in terms of having his athleticism come off the dribble. But he can clearly do it like as an off-ball player. So I hope the coaching staff continues to make schemes for that, knowing that, okay, if this guy feeds off of his own confidence, let's start these games off trying to get him like a cut for like an easy layup or a dunk. So, And I hope he knows that for himself instead of settling for a three, which is, you know, if I, if I miss this, I'm probably going to be out of the game mentally that he tries to find those easy shots more for himself and tries to just see the bas- the ball go into the basket, you know? So, um but yeah, hopefully we get less of these types of nights where he just completely once again disappears and isn't really a factor outside of, you know, a couple of active hands plays that he's known to do in terms of steals and blocks and whatnot. But yeah, I think my description of him, like when he becomes that player of being like a the point guard version of Nance is very apt, right? Right. So um, so yeah, with, along with Luke Walton's rotational decisions and Lonzo Ball gaining a jump shot and gaining some confidence to, you know, more fully round out his game, I think those are some things to be looking out for. And if Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma can continue to just continue to do this little wing dynamic duo dance that they've been doing, I think there's a lot more to be look forward to in spite of the Lakers' rough schedule here and rough stretch going into Christmas and hopefully less Brooke Lopez and Corey Brewer and I definitely hope that Rob Palenka is working the phones as well to see if there's a shooter out there that we can just get, like another shooter, another switchable guy on defense, and uh, less of this weird non-shooting Brooke Lopez-Corey Brewer show that we've been getting recently. So uh, with that said, I think that'll do it for our show. Once again, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many more times Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer will play in Tommy's car from now till Christmas. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, okay. With that said, Tommy, I will let you go. Later. All right. Peace. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.